morning, everyone. It's nice to be here uh, this morning. Um, so usually uh, when I'm preaching uh, these days, it's at Scott's to a room full of boys that don't particularly want to be there. Uh, so it's sort of nice to preach to uh, people that sort of want to be here. Um, I've usually got eight minutes uh, for a talk at school, uh, but uh, Janet told me that I've got an hour and eight minutes this morning. So get comfortable. Um, <laughs> well, I like talking. I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, have a look at, at God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that it speaks to us today. Uh, we thank you that it speaks to our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we pray this morning uh, that as we open your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds. Help us to understand, help us to apply, and help our lives to change so that we become more like the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that as I speak, uh, that I would be faithful to your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, there was a great book lover who uh, was with a friend helping him uh, in a move and his friend was cleaning up a, a house that had been in, in, the gener- in their family for generations and they'd had a stock of old books. He had sold some, uh, he'd decided he, could, he would keep some but he was telling his, his friend, the great book lover, that he threw out uh, a Bible. He was a little caught up, he wasn't sure whether he uh, should throw it out but he ended up throwing it out because it was going to be of no value to him. He couldn't really read it that well and it was old um, and, and his friend out of interest said, well, how old was this book? Like, did you, did you look at who, who were the printers? And he said, oh, I did. Uh, the printers were uh, Guten, Guten something. And the, and the book lover looked at him shocked and said, Gutenberg. Yeah, 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 that's it, Gutenberg. And um, the, the, the book lover exclaimed in horror, uh, that Bible was one of the first books ever printed. It'd be worth millions of dollars uh, today. And the guy who was moving was still unimpressed and he said, mine wouldn't have got one dollar. Some bloke named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it in German. Uh, We can fail to see the true value of things, can't we? Uh, And this not only seems to be a problem with uh, our, our guy who was moving, but it seems to be a problem with our world we, we come into a world and we're a part of a world that doesn't really understand the true value of things. And we don't realise the true value of things because we've swapped the, the, the price tags. Things of little value, the world holds to great value. But things of great value and eternal worth, the world places very little value on. And that's um, the kingdom of heaven is an example of this. The world, they place a very low value on the kingdom of heaven. How do we know? Well, look at our world and look at our lives. Look at the things that we place value on and we realise that we sometimes mess mess up the price tags as well. But Jesus tells these parables uh, to show us the true value of 
the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is, is pretty much being a part of God's family, being a part of God, the community of believers. So when, God, when he says the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's being part of the community here and now, but more importantly, into eternity. And Jesus says the, the value of the kingdom of heaven is so great that it's worth getting rid of every single thing you own, if that is the cost. And he brings our attention to this with two men. One man stumbles across a treasure uh, in a field. The other man, he seems to be searching for it uh, for quite some time. And both of them are excited to find it. Both of them are keen to own it. Have a look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man who found it, uh, when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. He wasn't necessarily looking for the treasure. He may have been, uh, but he seemed to stumble across it for some reason in a field. And he sold all he had in an effort to raise enough money to buy that field because he saw the great value in it. Now, to us, that might sound risky. You might think, how does he know that that treasure is so valuable? He knew. And he was willing to risk everything he had on it. A bit like in the last few years, people have risked everything they have to own a house. We're reading in the papers, as interest rates go higher, people are stressing because they've invested so much into their homes. But they actually know that they're good value. And they want to own it. They're worth, they're prepared to go into huge debt. People go into debt to secure it. This man sold everything he owned to secure the field. And again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. He'd been out looking, searching. That was his job. He was a merchant. He knew the value of the pearl. And when he saw it, He was in no doubt, so he sold everything he had so he could purchase it. What's Jesus' point in these parables? The kingdom of heaven, being a part of God's community here and into eternity, is worth everything you have. And by saying this, he actually puts a question to you and I this point. Are you willing to give up everything you have to have access to the kingdom of heaven? And if you're like me at this time, you'd nod. Say, absolutely. We might even say, yeah, I'd be willing to give give everything I have. But the problem is, for me, And for you, that the answer is not in us nodding and saying yes. That's not the answer. The answer is seen in the way that you and I live. The way that we act. The way that we speak, where we spend our time, where we spend our money, where our energy goes. That shows us if we truly value the kingdom of heaven not in what we say, it's in what we do. First man sold everything he had and bought the field. He showed the value of that treasure. The merchant sold all he had to buy the pearl. 
great value to him. Now you might ask, why is it that the kingdom of heaven is so valuable? Why, why would I want to sell everything to be a part of it? Why would I give up a lifestyle to be part of a, of a kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is the only pardon for sin that you have. The kingdom of heaven is where King Jesus reigns and into eternity. The kingdom of heaven is the only thing that is not going to fade or be burned up at the end. The kingdom of heaven is where God has created things to be the way that they are always meant to be. What value could we possibly place on that? Pardon for sin, living under the rule of King Jesus in his community for eternity. Augustine once said the traditional escape route from danger is to run. It's good advice, isn't it? Run from danger. The only escape from sin is to run to him, to the Lord Jesus. There is no other way. That is why the kingdom of heaven is so valuable. And the parable says, are you willing to pay the cost? The cost of belonging to the kingdom. And friends, there is a cost. And we need to weigh that up, Jesus says in other parts. But there is a personal cost of belonging to the kingdom of heaven. And it seems this is where we stumble. Because we find it difficult to pay this cost, don't we? We don't want to let go of what we have, what we can see, what we can feel. For something that we can't actually see and grasp hold of. We don't particularly like the struggle, the battle within. We don't like to be seen as anything less than a success in the eyes of the world. But the kingdom of of heaven asks us, are you willing to pay a cost? Spurgeon said of the kingdom of heaven, you pay nothing to get in all of grace, but it will cost you all you have. And it's so true, isn't it? There is a personal cost to the kingdom of heaven. Your life will be different to those around you. It may cost you financially as you support ministry, Christian friends, those in need. It may cost you family relationships as it causes attention because your focus is a little bit different to the focus of other people. It may cost you friendships. It may cost you job opportunities. It may cost you promotion, status. Are you willing to pay the cost, Jesus says. And he says, be willing to pay the cost because it is worth everything you have belong to God's kingdom. Horatio Spafford is, is a hero of mine in a, in a lot of senses. I'm, one, I love his name. Sort of fun to say, isn't it? Horatio Spafford. Try saying it. It's good fun. He was a lawyer and he, he was um, in, invested in real estate in Chicago in the, in the late, uh, mid to late 1800s. And he lost all his investment in the fires of 1871. 
He wanted, therefore, to have a rest for his wife and his four daughters, and so he and to support uh, some missionary work of D.L. Moody. Uh, so he sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him to Europe uh, on a ship, and he was plan was to follow in the next couple of days. But on the 22nd of November, their ship was struck, struck by an ocean liner, and they say it sank in 12 minutes. Six days later, the survivors from the shipwreck arrived in Cardiff and Horatio received a two-word cable from his wife, survived alone. Devastating news. Next day, Horatio jumped on a ship to join his devastated wife and it was said to be on this trip that he penned the words to the great hymn It is well with my soul. And the thing we notice about the hymn is the fact that it doesn't dwell on the sorrow of his life, but it focuses on the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus and the waiting joy and the glorious second coming and how all things are going to be made new and right. Probably can't get much worse, can it? Losing family members, losing your four daughters in a shipping accident. But what does Horatio Spafford say? Through the pain and the anguish and the tears, he says, it is well with my soul. You see, we can face hard times, we face difficulties, we can face despair and anguish in this life. And we feel the pain of those things, they're real. But in that pain we can say, it is well with my soul as we're putting our trust in the Lord Jesus. As we're running to him for his embrace. You see, the kingdom of heaven is about your response to Jesus classic argument the kids put forward in proclaiming their innocence is what about him he did it first what about her she's badder than I am my mum used to say about my friend Ashley who I seem to to follow if Ashley was going to jump off a cliff would you follow him the parable asks how you are responding to the kingdom of heaven it's about what we do how we respond to what Jesus has done for us. I want you to imagine for a minute a teenage boy standing in the bathroom. This night is different to many other nights. One, he's had a shower. Teenage boys are notorious for not wanting to shower. But he's standing in the bathroom, he's combing his hair, he's had a shave. He actually put deodorant on this night, he smells good. Why? Why is tonight different? Well, tonight, he's not going out with his mates. He's going out with a girl. His mates say, come on, let's go. He says, no, not tonight. She has changed the way he acts, changed the way he lives, changed the way, well, his hygienic practices. And this is the way it is with the kingdom of heaven. Jesus changes us. We're made anew. 
So we don't value things that other people value. We don't live the lives other people live. We don't follow other people because it's a politically correct thing to do. You see, when we come into contact with the kingdom of heaven, when we come into relationship with the Lord Jesus, it changes us, it turns us around, transforms all areas of our lives, which includes what we value most, includes where we spend our time, it includes where our energy goes. I wonder if sometimes you feel like in ministry that you are are drained, that as being a part of a church family is exhausting. You feel like you do a lot of things around the place and maybe you don't get that much credit for it. Do you feel like you're worn out from looking after and caring for other people? Do you feel like you're fighting a losing battle sometimes? Well, I want to say to you, good on you. Keep going. Keep striving. Keep fighting. Because the kingdom of heaven is is of immeasurable value. Hebrews 11 uh, tells us about Moses and and explains how it is of of, of more value uh, than anything in this world. By faith, Moses... When he had grown up, refused to be known as the Pharaoh's son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses walked on out on all this world had to offer. The easiest of lifestyles, sitting in the palace, fed, raised, treated like royalty. And he let it go. Why? He regarded disgrace for Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking ahead. He understood what it means to be long to the kingdom of heaven. Can you say that? Can you say, I value the kingdom of heaven more than the things of this world? How are you gauging your answers to this? Friends, there is nothing more important that you will do than to be a part of God's kingdom. There is nothing more important that you will do, nothing more valuable in your life than being a part of God's kingdom. Would you be able to say in the anguish and despair of loss, it is well with my soul? Why is it that at times we seem to be discontent with life? Why is it that we envy our neighbours as they sleep in Sunday morning and go out for breakfast? They don't have to be anywhere. Why is it we envy those who 
can stay home on a cold winter's night rather than go and encourage our, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Bible study. Why is it that we let other things get in the road of the thing? The reason is because we briefly take our eyes off the secret of the kingdom. We forget the great value of belonging to God's kingdom. The author and preacher Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for something he cannot lose. Seems to me that we struggle with these concepts, don't we? We struggle in juggling time and energy and money and finances and our focus and priority. And the problem is, as we struggle with this, we pass that struggle on to generations. We pass that struggle on to our kids because we haven't set an example. And then they'll pass that on to their kids and on to their kids. Friends, I want to encourage you, let's, let's be the start of change. Let's have a focus on God's kingdom and that importance. And pass that sort of inheritance on to our children and grandchildren. Stand up with Horatio Spafford and say, it is well with my soul. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I'm busy. But my focus is the kingdom. Let's teach our kids and our grandkids the true value. Let's set the example in our homes and pass on the baton. Make no mistake, uh, this parable, it's no fluke that this parable falls between uh, two parables that talk about the coming judgment. Let's not lose our focus. Focus on the kingdom. Don't forget the great value of God's kingdom. Don't let other things crowd out the value of belonging. And pass this inheritance on your children and your grandchildren. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you that you have opened our eyes and we can see and understand the great value in your kingdom. Father, we pray that we would live this great value out, that we would live with your kingdom as a focus of all things. Lord, forgive us when we don't and we thank you that you have called us to be a part of your kingdom through the death and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. Father, help us to change, we pray. Change our hearts and our mind through the work of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name.